You're listening to the Fertility Docs Uncensored Podcast, featuring insight on all things fertility from some of the top-rated doctors around America. Whether you're struggling to conceive or just planning for your future family, we're here to guide you every step of the way. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that can help detect inflammatory conditions on the uterine lining that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. If you've experienced implantation failure or multiple miscarriages, ask your doctor about Receptiva DX. Uterine inflammation, if found, can be treated, providing a new pathway to achieving a successful pregnancy. Receptiva DX, because the journey's worth it. Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of Fertility Docs Uncensored. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Abby Eblen from National Fertility Center. And today I'm joined by my marvelous and magnificent co-host, Dr. Susan Hudson from Texas Fertility Center. Hello. And Dr. Carrie Beniet from the Fertility Center of Las Vegas. Hey. And so, hey. So today we have a guest and we're going to get to her in just a second. We've got a couple of little things to chit chat about, but let's introduce her real quick, though. I am. So our host is Amy Beckley. She has a PhD in pharmacology, which that is no easy PhD, I'm sure, to get. Very challenging. And she specifically is interested in hormone signaling. And today we're going to talk about implantation with her because um, that's something that was really near and dear to her heart. And she'll tell you a little bit about her personal story. So what have you guys been up to in the last week or so? Oh, all the things. <laughs> it's a crazy time of year. It's always, you know, no matter what time of year, it's a crazy time of year, you know? So any, anybody been riding their Peloton? Because Amy tells me she's, that's one of the things she likes to do. Helps her think. <laughs> I did my ride this morning. Awesome. Who are your favorite, um, I want to say coaches, instructors. that's not the instructors. right. Instructors, thank you. So my favorite one is Cody Rigsby. Yeah. He is just amazing. Like he just makes you de-stress and not think about whatever's going on and just unwind. And he always talks about the things that happened in the 90s and early 2000s. And it's like, <laughs> it's just hilarious. Like he's like, oh, remember the BMG Music Club? Like I got 12 free CDs and then I got, I didn't do any more. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. So it's just kind of cool to just do it every morning and and stop and think and, and unwind. So, so as, an, as a non-Peloton user... Explain to me, like, when when you sit there and say, who's your favorite instructor? And then we start talking about, like, subscriptions <laughs> to things other than Peloton. Like, ex- explain to me how these instructors work. So they each record classes and they each have different specialties. So they have a treadmill, they have a bike. I guess they now have a rower. Yeah. Um, and they do, so. like, weightlifting as well. Um, so they all record classes. I'm a, a bike. I have a, the cycle bike. Um, and they'll do like 30 minute classes. They'll do 20 minute classes. They'll do high intensity. They'll do hit. They'll do uh, pop music. Those are my favorite. It's just, you know, something to like get the heart pumping and just kind of forget about all the stresses of the world and think about something fun. Like, you know, what was, you know, what were you doing in the nineties and two thousands? So have you ever, have you ever done any of the ones where you just like can bike along a French city or San Francisco Bay or any of that kind of stuff? You can, well, you can just do it where you can just bike and you can bike at your own speed and your own pace. And I do those every now and then. And the funny thing was when my daughter went to San Francisco to interview, I went out there with her. I'm like, we've got to go to Golden Gate Park because I've already biked through here on my Peloton. I want to see what it looks like. (laughs) 
So those are kind of fun to do too, I think. Yeah, yeah. no, I, 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 I've never done those. I tease with my husband that I do it more for the entertainment value and the unwinding and listening to awesome music and like yeah. just totally like turning everything off. Like I put my headphones in so nobody can bother me. Like I can't listen to the kids or the dog or the husband. I'm just like, nope. <laughs> so now do you ever, um, do you ever um, like, Go and participate with the class. Are you part of? I always feel intimidated if I'm part of like a group classes because you can, Susan, you can do them. No. You can do them asynchronous or, or at the same time. You can do them with other people and you can see what they're doing and you know how you can try and compete with somebody in the class if you really care to do that. I don't, I, but <laughs> I, I do the recorded ones. I I mean I'm like I wake up in the morning, I answer emails, and I go down to my Peloton and I have this half an hour that's my time. And I don't want to change it to whatever time their live classes are. I'd yeah. rather just pick my instructor, pick, you know, I look through the music. I'm like, all right, this Me is good. Me too. <laughs> I'm pick this one. Well, very cool. So we're hopefully we're all well, well rested because two of us have done the Peloton today. Carrie, I guess you're going to have to be the next one. You're going to have to get it in before the end of the day, right? I mean, I'm looking at it. Does that count for anything? <laughs> oh, almost. Oh, <laughs> my weights and my bike are sitting next to me in this room and I don't have the official bike. I've got a jerry-rigged version so I can use the app, but oh, yeah. um, it's very cute. Like my towel is sitting there already. I think the last time I got on it was six months ago, uh, approximately. I, I have Look. a Boflex that's sitting in my garage. Does that count? <laughs> You and I subscribe to the same exercise program right now, Susan. I've, I've had so many pieces of equipment that have have served as like, you know, accessories to my closet to yeah. hang, hang things your clothes on, on and I yeah. lay things on them. So, well, are we ready for a question real quick? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. a question, Susan. All right. So our question today is, hi, I have just started listening to the podcast. Thank you for what you are doing. I, I've had a terrible time trying for baby number three. I've had full two full-term pregnancies, first child at 29, second at 31, now 35. In between my two living children, I had one miscarriage and my first d and &E. I got pregnant in 2020 with my third child and was totally healthy. However, I had P-PROM at 19 weeks, elected mm -hmm. to terminate, and then had later to have a DNC to remove residual placenta. Ever since, I have had a myriad of emotional and physical problems. We found out in 2021 that I had Hashimoto's, is now regulated with medication, got pregnant with Femara in summer of 2021, only to miscarry uh, carry again, resulting yeah. in a third d &E. I am now seeing an RA who did a surgical procedure to eliminate scar tissue in my uterus and finally my endometrium is building up again. I've been doing a few rounds of Femara. Is there anything else I can do to increase my chances? This has been such a hard journey for me and my husband. Thank you. Well, you I, I, I would think, first of all, you need to, when you see your RA, definitely get a full recurrent pregnancy loss evaluation. I mean... And your situation is a little bit different because you have had a loss, you know, at least one loss in a second trimester, which that that adds in things that we have to look at. But honestly, a lot of us don't have to, you know, second trimester losses are pretty uncommon. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'd just say, make sure you get a full recurrent pregnancy loss evaluation because I think everybody is worried about your endometrium, which we are obviously worried about your endometrium, but we also don't want to be missing something that could be contributing to challenges. And I think going ahead and working with the Femara and having the procedures and keeping an eye on everything, I think that will help you get pregnant a little bit more quickly. Um, I think that sometimes in cases like this, working with gonadotropins or an injectable medication, if you're struggling with your lining, sometimes that can be really helpful. That is not a default that we go to most of the time. And if your RE is looking at your lining on the Femara and says, 
you know, hey, this is plenty thick, then you don't necessarily need it. But but that may be something that is helpful for you, depending on what your lining is looking like on the Femara. Yeah, I, I agree with all those things. And just sometimes supplements like vitamin E or sometimes aspirin will improve blood flow. I mean, that's, you know, there's not great data on that, but that's those are sort of the extra things potentially that you could do. Because when you've had a couple of, particularly the second trimester loss and had a DNC after that, just the concern is that your estrogen level stays lower for longer. and the endometrium, as you know, probably doesn't build up as well. And so, you know, certainly that's always a concern, but um, I would echo kind of what Carrie and Susan said as well. And I would definitely pay attention to the emotional component of it as well that you were mentioning that you guys are having a hard time. That is normal. That is expected. Get get extra help, whether it's um, Facebook groups or local support groups or um, a therapist a of therapist. some sort. Yeah, for for both of you, because people always say like, oh, the woman had to go through X, Y, Z. Well, the the man's going through a lot of that as well. Um, Yeah, at least the emotional part for sure. At least the emotional stuff. And so, um, Amy, as we were talking ahead of time, you had mentioned that you had kind of a tumultuous journey in both in in building your own family as well as uh, how that plays into your your professional work. So what's what is what's your story? Tell us. Before I say my story, I really want to like jump in as a scientist. Um, and this kind of will lead into my story. Um, she mentioned Hashimoto's. Um, you guys mentioned lining. Um, we just did a clinical study where the best treatment for women um, with recurrent miscarriage was letrozole or Femara, uh, a trigger HCG trigger shot, and then luteal phase progesterone. So there's actually a quite a few number of women who will will ovulate with the femoral letrozole, um, but still they don't have a really good luteal phase health. And so adding that luteal phase progesterone like they do in, in IVF procedures actually helps. Um, so I'm just going to throw my my scientific view in. It's not medical, <laughs> <it's> scientific. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I struggled a lot. I, you know, the story is very familiar. I've had seven miscarriages in my career. Oh, wow. Um, multiple years of, of IVF and, um, I was unexplained infertile and being a scientist, given the diagnosis of unexplained, I was like, at first I was very broken. I was like, I, I just can't believe that I can't have a, a baby. Like Harry, I'm this smart, educated woman. Like what is wrong with me? And so, you know, going into the RE, he's like, we have absolutely no idea what's wrong with you. We've done everything. Everything looks great. All the testing comes back normal. Your best chance at conception is IVF. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Like, I just, I need to have a baby. I need to be a mom. Um, so he did IVF. The second cycle was successful. Um, wow. I now have a 12-year-old son. Um, we teased that we named him Cash because he took all of our cash. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, every year I have this... Um, this um, costume. It's like a money bag and it's like the face cut out <laughs> with the money on the top. And I got it for him as a baby and I put him in there. And then so every year I make him put it on it. And so we've had to cut out holes for the crotch. And he's now old enough that he's torso so long that I have to cut all of it next year. So it's just going to be like a shirt. But I'm sure at 13, he's going to so be like, cool. Mom, I'm done with this. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't go in public that way, but he definitely <laughs> does it in the house. So I, I say thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, so after I had my son, um, about two years after, I was like, okay, I want to build my family again. But this time I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do IVF. I instead want to understand what's going on. I want to try to solve this issue because I am a scientist. 
I was just like, this is a really great experiment. I'm going to be the guinea pig and I'm going to try to figure it out. Um, so I had many, many conversations with my RE about, you know, why I kept losing pregnancies. Why did IVF work? What was the difference? What hadn't we tried? What hadn't we looked at? Um, and I've been charting my cycle and I would have an ov- a positive ovulation test. So positive LH surge. And then I would get my period maybe eight or nine days later. And I had a lot of spotting as well. Um, and so I was like, maybe I just have a, a progesterone deficiency. Um, and he's like, well, you know, we did your blood work, your cycle day 21 or seven days past ovulation blood work. Everything looked great. You ovulated. And I said, well, is there such a thing as like not having enough progesterone to support implantation, but still ovulating? He's like, yeah, there's there's absolutely something like that. It's just not something we've studied because we haven't had good diagnostic tools to look at it. I have a question for you there, Amy. How many days from the time your period started generally until you had a, the, your next period? How how long was that cycle length there? Um, so I would ovulate pretty late in my cycle when I was younger, probably more like day 18, 19. And then so I would have a typical, you know, 26, 28 day cycle, which was normal. Mm-hmm. And so that's another reason they kept, oh, everything's fine. You have a, you know, a, a normal cycle length, length was cycle. good. Mm-hmm. Um, but through through charting, I'd say, okay, I had positive tests, you know, a little bit later like, and then my luteal phase was a little mm-hmm. bit shorter. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I said, you know, is there such a thing? And he said, well, we don't have, you know, a good diagnostic, like a blood test will tell you if you've ovulated or not, but it's not going to tell you, you know, if your levels of progesterone are insufficient. And so that really gave me idea of, you know, we should be monitoring progesterone longer. Um, throughout the implantation window. So like when you think about implantation, you have a positive uh, ovulation test or positive LH test, and then your body will release that egg sometimes, usually, hopefully. <laughs> um, and then it has to go all the way through the fallopian tube where hopefully it gets fertilized by the sperm and then goes to the uterus where it will implant. That whole journey takes about seven to 10 days from that positive ovulation test. And so um, if you get your period before you know that 10-day mark, it could be that you just literally don't have enough time for that egg to get released, fertilized, travel all the way down and have a good implantation because what that um, embryo will do when it implants is it will send a signal back to the ovary and say, hey, we're pregnant. Please keep making progesterone. I need it. And so that is what HCG HCG does, is it rescues your body and so you don't have another period. So I said, okay, I think I'm dropping my progesterone too soon and therefore I'll get a positive pregnancy test, but it's not a good implantation. You know, Maybe there wasn't enough time for it to get pregnant and then I would just get my period and not, not have success. He's like... Amy, that was a great theory. I will absolutely give you progesterone. I don't know if it's going to work, but I mean, progesterone is not, I mean, it's bioidentical. We give it during IVF. It's not harmful. It's like, great. Couple cycles into it, pregnant, and she's nine. And I was like, wow, maybe there is something here. Like, and so, yeah. Did they, did, Amy, did they ever think about checking your progesterone more than once in there? Because, you know, the initial studies that were done, you know, before people, because early in my career, we didn't really know to check progesterone on day 21, 22, or 23. So the initial papers that came out looked at checking progesterone like three or four times in the luteal phase and averaging that number together. The problem is, logistically, you, you know, you can't ask people to come in the office easily three or four times in that short window to do it. But did they ever think about doing that? Or did you ever do that as part of kind of your fact finding at all? Or 
Just be curious. Yeah, no, I mean, I 100% agree with you. And they never suggested it because um, most women on IVF are given uh, progesterone. Right. Yeah. It's only women. And so I just basically asked for the treatment. And I said, I don't want to mess with, you know, having to do this three times. Just give me the treatment. Yeah. Um, But that basic idea, what you just said, all those studies is exactly what Prove, which is the product that we invented, does is it looks at progesterone, it looks for the sustained elevated levels, and we don't do it through blood, we do it through urine. So progesterone circulates in the serum and then gets metabolized as something called PDG or pregnant dialgluconide for lung. And (laughs) we look at that in the urine and we look seven, eight, nine, and 10 days after ovulation to make sure it's sustained elevated levels. And if it's not, then we empower that woman to go back to her physician and say, okay, maybe I'm not ovulating. Maybe I need, you know, luteal phase progesterone. So Amy, would you say that? So first of all, for our listeners, another thing about serum level of progesterone is serum levels go up and down throughout the day. And so you're really just truly doing a spot check in time. So we don't know Mm -hmm. if you're at a peak trough or kind of at a mid level at the time that we happen to draw your blood is is the level of the hormone that you're um, testing in the in the urine, does it have a smoother steady state or it does it vary is it variable throughout the day as well? Yeah, that's a great question. And we use first morning urine. And so basically it's the six, eight hours before and it's the average of the progesterone levels. And what levels do you look for? In the urine, um, we look for uh, five micrograms per mil of urine PDG, and in um, clinical studies, that correlated to about ten nanograms per mil in blood. It's not a apples to apples; it's an apples to oranges because again, it's urine versus blood. Blood goes like this; like mm-hmm. you can't, you know. So, but the average between uh, fifty-five women was about ten nanograms per mil, which is considered to be the lowest level you want to have a uh, healthy start to a pregnancy. So tell us a little bit about your company, Prove. I kind of glossed over that and I didn't really say much about that, but you, because of what you've been through, you've started this company, P-R-O-O-V, correct? Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit about the company and what you do with your app and how it can be beneficial for our patients. Yeah. So after my my struggles and and finding success and really like self-diagnosing my issue, um, I was like, I came out of the closet and I told told my friends and family that I was dealing with this and we had succeeded. And I had so many women coming to me, friends, family, asking, well, what did you do? Because I'm, I want to get pregnant too. <laughs> and so by by helping many friends and family members, one day, one of my you know friends that also went through IVF and had an infertility battle called me. She's like, Amy, we have to do something. We should invent a test to see if somebody has a good ovulation. Because there are, you know, especially with women with PCOS or Hashimoto's, like you can have a, you can ovulate, you can release an egg, but it might not be a good egg or it might not have mm-hmm. enough of the hormones present to have an optimal pregnancy. And so let's do a better job of, of understanding ovulation and the hormones involved. And so I went in, you know, the, the, the literature, I went on the FDA website. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's, let's make this device that measures this thing called PDG in urine. And we did a crowdfunding campaign. Wow. Oh, wow. I got a $50 logo of Upwork. And I was like, look, this is something that I think would be beneficial. And if women also do, I will make it. 
And as long as they buy it, I will continue making it. And so it was just my really desire to give back and uh-huh. um, help women have the tools that they need to to advocate. Another reason that I did it was because um, you know after my first loss, I was six or eight months into trying, and I went to the OB, and she's like, "Well." You know, you've only had one loss. You're only 28. You know what happens? Like, go, 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 try again. And um, I, I just felt like women needed something to 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 have while they were in this like I can't help you phase, right? And so I, I personally think that fertility should be 100% covered, just like diabetes and and heart disease and all this other stuff. And it's not. And so if we can give women ways to advocate, so it's like my idea is if you can diagnose an issue sooner. You can go in with that information and get help sooner. You don't have to sit there after loss after loss or month after month of negative pregnancy tests. So walk me through how it works. If I sign up and I have the Prove app on my phone, how do I how do I get from there to testing my urine for progesterone? Yeah, yeah. So fast forward about four or five years because we've been we've been in the market since 2018. Um, so we have an app now that is. So we have. I'll show you. It looks like this. <laughs> These are, let's see, my thing's blurry. Yeah, right there is perfect. Awesome. Yeah, so it looks like this. Um, it comes with five test strips. One you take in the beginning of your cycle, and then you take an ovulation test to see when that peak fertility is. And then you take the next four during that implantation window um, to look at that sustained elevated level. And so what you do is you download the companion app on your phone. You enter in your period days, and then the app will tell you when it's a testing day. You say, okay, it's a testing day. Then you will take uh, your first morning urine. You'll dip a strip. And then after 10 minutes, you'll lay it on this little gray card we include with the kit. And then you use your phone and you just take a picture of the test. Ah. <laughs> and we have really cool like um, machine learning algorithms. And um, like we, we calibrate it to concentration curves on the back end. Oh, and it wow. will recognize if the test is valid, make sure there's no like debris or shadows or anything on there. And if it's a valid picture, it'll give you a hormone value and then it'll say what next. Wow. And so um, we'll do that throughout the entire cycle. We'll tell them, hey, you just had your peak LH test. You're likely fertile for the next two days, have intercourse. And then they'll start taking their PDG test to check to see if it was a successful ovulation um, all four days. And then at the end, we give them a report card basically of their ovulation where we've developed a score. Um, so it's a zero to a hundred, hundred meaning you had sustained elevated PDG levels. You have a successful ovulation. These are what's shown in clinical studies to have the highest chance at conception each month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it goes down, you can say, okay, well, maybe th- only three were positive or only two or only one or zero. Um, and it kind of gives you a gauge as to how much progesterone that you made, how successful of, of an ovulation you you had. Um, and then we link to resources such as dietary changes, things you can do exercise-wise, um, supplements that you can take. And then we link to doctors. So we're building a provider network where if women need help uh, with ovulation induction, say they're getting a really really low score, they want to talk to somebody about Electrozole or a Clomid um, or you know luteal phase progesterone, that we can connect them with doctors that know about our technology that can help prescribe them those medications. So, so talk about, oh, sorry, go ahead, Susan. So one thing I, I'd like to share with our listeners, when I think about like ovulation defects, you know, not just people with PCOS, but there's all kinds of ovulatory disorders. And we're, we're you know, for years, we focused on, you know, the luteal phase and it was like, 
throw progesterone, throw progesterone, throw progesterone. Number one, it's safe, pretty easy. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things that it, it, you know we can do. But I think it's important to know that if you're having a problem in your second half, you really need to have the first half evaluated because a lot of times we as clinicians end up seeing people sometimes who don't have things like PCOS, but they actually have diminished ovarian reserve or things that, you know, have been been glossed over. It's like, oh, you just, you're not ovulating on a regular basis. You probably have PCOS. And then you come in to see us and it's like, oh my goodness, you have an FSH of 16. Like yeah. we need to, we need to like kick this in gear for you to be able to have the the family that you're desiring and, and things like that. So, you know, as, as people are listening to this, know that it's it's not all in the second half. The first half leads to the second half. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, bad egg usually equals bad ovulation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like women are like, oh, I had a low score. I just need my doctor to give me progesterone. I'm like, that might not be what you need. You might need letrozole or Clomid or or something else like, you know, FSH. So we're just we're just there to give them that score and then give them to the to physician to actually treat them. But yeah, I absolutely agree. We actually have, now that you mentioned FSH, so we have another product. Um, oh. it's, it's a new product. Um, it does ovarian reserve. So it measures FSH. And we do it um, three times at the beginning of the cycle. And then it's quantitative. So everything gives hormone values. And so we can see if that FSH level is between zero and 50. And so we check three different times and we check a pattern and then we tell her, you know, at the end of the cycle report, we say it's low, it's diminishing or it's normal to give them an idea. And so anytime, anytime FSH is above 11, we give them kind of a flag that says, hey, you might have diminishing ovarian reserve. If it's over like 25, then it's like, okay, you have low ovarian reserve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it, it's trying to, again, use urine, which is non-invasive tools women can use at home to help them have that conversation to get them into the physician uh, faster. So does For that test cross-check the estradiol levels as well to show if there's a um, if there's any suppression of the FSH because the estradiol is already high? This is a great question. <laughs> no, so we have another kit. It's <laughs> called Complete. Um, and so what it does is it measures all the hormones across the cycle. So it does FSH, um, estrogen, um, progesterone, and um, LH. And we do baseline hormones, just like you would do like a cycle day three blood work. And so when we pull the report on this kit, we also look at the estrogen value with the ovarian reserve, because sometimes you do see that high um, estrogen that's suppressing the FSH. Um, but this kit will do the entire cycle. So we look at all four hormones to show ovarian reserve. If there's any, um, we pull a ratio of LH to FSH to see if there's some type of indication for PCOS. Mm -hmm. um, so if that's above two, we kind of flag that as something to talk to your doctor about. Um, we also look at estrogen and um, give them a six-day fertile window. Um, and then we close the fertile window with the rise in progesterone. And so this kit, um, a lot of women with PCOS use this kit because they always get the positive ovulation test and they're not, they don't know if they're actually ovulating. Mm -hmm. So we use estrogen, a rise in estrogen to open the window and a rise in progesterone or, or PDG and urine to close the fertile window. And then we look at the luteal phase health in the implantation window. So when, you know, that same four day window we did with the other kit. For somebody that has PCOS, their estrogen level may be up and elevated, but then they don't ever ovulate, so they don't ever make progesterone. So therefore, you pick it up in your kit because their progesterone level wouldn't go up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. So what kind of FDA validation kind of external validation did you have to go through to say, okay, these levels are legit. They can actually tell you what we say that they're going to tell you. Like, what was that process like? That was an interesting process. Um, So (laughs) we had to get an FDA clearance. um, And so... Um, we had to show the FDA data that women could understand the results. They could do the results at home. We had focus groups of women dipping strips in artificial urine that was spiked with different amounts of <laughs> hormones. We would say, what, it, what was the result? We'd ca- cross-check it, what, what the real result was. We'd have you know professionals reading it versus them reading it. Um, we did the blood versus urine. We matched it to the urine, uh, a urine ELISA, which is a, a lab-based urine uh, measure. We looked at all the literature to say, okay, what is that value of PDG, which is different than progesterone, that is a healthy cycle and in proven fertile women. Um, so we did a lot of data. It took us about a year to get clearance, but we are the only FDA cleared test to confirm uh, ovulation during this implantation window. And I would even think the picture could be a point of contention with the FDA. If you're taking your own picture of what those strips look like, and then you're trying to quantify that into what that would be if you had a serum level of it, I would think that would have been probably the hardest the hardest hurdle to get over with the FDA. Well, so we didn't have the app when we went through the clearance. Um, and so the, the strips actually work as one line or two. So basically like um, pregnancy tests. So if you, it, but it's opposite. So if you have two lines, your progesterone is, your PDG is low, below the threshold. And if you have one line, it's above the threshold. So it's more like um, drugs of abuse type of testing which was a little bit confusing for women because yeah. they really wanted two they lines. They wanted two lines. lines. <laughs> yeah, they wanted two lines. <laughs> Unless you're testing for COVID. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Seriously, the first time I like swabbed my family and I'm like, we're all getting te- checked. One of my kids was like, that looks like a pregnancy test. I was like, how do you know what a pregnancy test looks like? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. So so um, we didn't have the app when we went through the clearance. So they, they can be read visually. We just heard a lot of feedback from women that they didn't know when to test. They needed a tool to help them log it. They weren't sure if that was a faint line or not. Like, was it positive? And so yeah. the app is just an, an optional piece of of um, like a free a thing that we give them that is like, if you want to use the app, great. If not, we have this little chart that's included with the instructions. You put the date, you know, of your positive LH test, and then you put the, you know, positive or negative on the days, and then you can kind of take that to your doctor as well. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I think there's a great need for that. I think people really like being able to check a lot of things themselves and just, you know, get an answer. So that's, I think that's really exciting. So what's your, what's your next, next, what's the next thing you're going to do with your app? Um, we're going to do more um, physician, um, it, not intervention, but but flagging, right? So so women love data. I mean, like this, this is our number one selling kit right now on our website. It's the complete kit because women just love their data. They just, they mm-hmm. like to see it. But then they get this amazing, really rich report where it talks about ovarian reserve and ratios of this and that and fertile window and it, like all this stuff. And they don't, they don't know what to do with it. And so our next step is to start offering um, as part of the kit, you know, a a physician to review the results with next steps, you know, kind of flag them as you, you might have an ovulation issue. Um, Let me let you, let you talk to a physician. So similar to, you know, if you go to Quest and you get a, like a UTI test, if it comes back positive, a doctor will call you and say, Hey, you have a UTI. Let me call in this, you know, to the Walgreens down the street. Like, I would love to do that. So that's kind of where we're, we're headed right now. Oh, yeah. 
Well, that sounds exciting. Well, very good. Anything we didn't cover that you'd like to mention about Prove? Um, I mean, we're woman owned. We're here to to help support. We have an amazing, you know, online Facebook community that is is growing every day. Um, we're here to kind of offer support and and help women move forward. So uh, that's about sounds, it. <laughs> sounds like a very fantastic uh, yeah set of technology to use at home. And especially if they can bring it in, it's kind of nice to take a look at it and say, okay, this is what I see. This is what we can do. And this is we can help how we can help do it. Although sometimes I think giving progesterone alone, in, not in the context of Famara and HCG is really tricky because I have patients come back to me who say, I'm I'm not getting my period. I must be pregnant. I'm like, no, you're just on progesterone. You may or may not be pregnant, but it it throws things off. So it's always nice to have extra data to help work with all of that. Yeah, yeah. That's the good thing about the the PDG uh, progesterone uh, metabolite testing is that we can see that rise, and we can say yes, you have you know likely released an egg, you made progesterone, and we so we have a lot of women that use it to show that initial rise, and then they'll start their progesterone because they know that they've actually ovulated, and they want to support their their luteal phase that way. Um, I mean, the biggest reason why I did this is nobody was really talking about the luteal phase or or the health of the luteal phase or implantation or anything. It was just, oh, a positive ovulation test. That means you ovulated. It's like, well, not really. No, especially <laughs> you know, <laughs> women that have PCOS. It, so. it, it means you may have ovulated. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good. Well, it was great to talk to you. We got some really interesting information from you, Amy. And so to our audience, thanks for listening and tune in next week for more. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review in Apple Podcast. We'd really love to hear from you. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, be sure to follow and subscribe to stay updated for all things related to infertility. You can also visit fertilitydocsuncensor.com to submit specific questions you have about infertility. All questions will be answered on the podcast anonymously, anonymously for our Ask the Dog segment. So don't hold back. We also love to hear episode ideas. So don't hold back. We want to know what you're thinking and want to hear. And as always, this podcast is intended for entertainment and is not a substitute for medical advice from your own physician. All right, we'll talk to you soon. See you next week. Bye. Bye. This podcast is also brought to you by Fertility Pharmacy of America. Fertility Pharmacy of America is a fertility-dedicated pharmacy that partners with physicians across the country in order to provide patients with a more personalized pharmacy experience. Pride ourselves on ensuring that every prescription is accurate, delivered in a timely manner, and most importantly, affordable for all patients. A team of trained pharmacists, technicians, and customer service representatives will be with you every step of the way, providing you with knowledge and exceptional quality care for all of your fertility medication needs. More than just a specialty pharmacy, they're a committed partner during your fertility journey. Fertility Pharmacy of America, making miracles happen every day. Please text or call us at 844-449-8767 and reference Fertility Docs Uncensored.